Welcome to another AIM podcast. My name is Dudley, and I'm here with my good friend, Reverend Andy Patterson. Andy is presently on the leadership team, one of the pastors, the associate pastors at, at Charlotte Chapel here in Edinburgh. And I've asked Andy to tell us a bit about himself and uh, how he came into ministry and how mission became so core to how he sees his part in church leadership. Um, thanks, Dudley. Well, it's good to uh, be with you. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, I was born into one of those homes that had this sort of great Christian legacy. So my my dad was a minister. Um, my grandfather actually was a minister. So I suppose if there was anyone who had the brownie points to say they could get to heaven, it, it was me. But actually, because they were Bible men, uh, I heard the gospel and I heard that no one can get to heaven. No one can be saved and rescued. No one can have that fruitful life unless Jesus does that work of grace in them. So as a youngster, I just very simply asked Jesus to be my Lord and Saviour. It's why my dad was ministering a church in a place called Ilford in northeast London. And from that point of time, I can honestly say that though that was a, it was a childlike, it wasn't childish, it was childlike. I came to Jesus and I know I became a believer, that I became a Christian, that I'd been born again at that point. I think as you go on in life, as you, you grow up and you think things through more deeply, there comes a time, I think, especially if you've made a profession as a youngster, where you own it afresh. And I would say that probably happened to me around the time I was 14, 15. You know, you're thinking about these things more deeply. Am I just accepting it because it was my parents' faith? But I would say that there was um, that time of, of confirmation, uh, checking it out both intellectually and, well, does it work? It, does it give the, the peace and the joy? And I have to say, on every level, it was ticking all the boxes. There was, yeah, yeah it, it, it's true. I went on to study history at university and you just look at the source materials and go, yeah, this is absolutely true. Uh, and you also then go through, I think, some difficult experiences in life. You know, you can um, lose parents or lose loved ones or go through difficult times. And you say, no, the, the peace of God was real. So from an early age, I said to myself, um, now, I want to use, I've only got one life, so how can I use it well? Mm. And I know it sounds weird, but I, really, as sort of a young kid, I was thinking these things. And I thought, well, there is nothing more important than preaching Jesus and making Jesus known. So I, I wanted to be a follower, you know, a, a, not just a follower of Christ. I wanted to be someone who would point others mm. Mm. Uh, to him. And though I'd been raised in a man's, people say, well, you did that just because that's what your dad did. Actually, anyone who's been raised in a manse will know that's probably the least <laughs> best place to, 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 to then want to go into ministry because you see, you see what it's really like. You see yeah. the flip side of things. It really has to be a call of God upon you to want to go into Christian ministry. But that's what the Lord um, did. So I, I set my course very deliberately at university to try and study all those mm -hmm. uh, areas uh, that would be pertinent to the Christian faith. And uh, I'd gone to a school where there was a bit of a classical education, so we did things like Latin and Greek, which were helpful in the context. I was reading the Puritans uh, from a, a relatively early age because I just enjoyed it because I, I found it really uh, helpful. 
Um, and so it always set my, that was going to be my direction of travel. Mm. Um, to get there, um, uh, I realized it'd be good if I had a job. What I mean by that is had work experience because the danger is you go from sort of uh, university straight into a church and you have no experience of what working people are going through. So I looked around, what could I qualify in one year postgraduate? And it was either teaching or it was actually librarianship. And teaching seemed like much too hard work. And so I, I went into librarianship. And so I, I qualified in that area. I worked for five years as a librarian to Wandsworth Council. And during that time, I became lay pastor of a church in southwest London. And I was then called to be an assistant to full-time uh, at a church in Plumstead, which is southeast London. And from there, I was called to be uh, pastor uh, at a church called Kensington Baptist in inner city Bristol. And then I was there for, for 24 years. And uh, Janice and I met Andy and Kath in 2006 when they came out as speakers to an AIM conference in Kenya. And uh, uh, they very graciously um, uh, entertained a request from us because we had become missionary orphans. Our church, uh, the church that supported us faithfully for many years, uh, could no longer do that. And um, uh, Andy worked with his mission committee and uh, organized for us to be a part of their church and to be part of their cross-cultural worker team, for which, uh, which was just a huge blessing to us at the time. And, um, but what we, what we discovered as we uh, walked uh, with Andy in that process and um, had fellowship with, with Kensington, Kensington Baptist Church after that was that they had a very um, thought-through mission uh, strategy. And uh, I just wanted to pick your brain, Andy. How is it that um, mission became so uh, central to uh, your ministry at Kensington Baptist and subsequently? And, and uh, we can take it from Yeah, from well, when I went to um, be pastor at Kensington, yeah. that was 1988. And I have to say, I'd known about mission and we yeah. had people who worked in different areas, but I really hadn't grasped the place of mission in the local church. And I was so blessed to go to a church which had already started down that process of, of thinking about what it means. They'd been encouraged to put a, uh, a mission policy in place. And I realized that actually I should be part of that as I was the only pastor at the time. We, our staff numbers grew quite considerably later, but at the time I was the only pastor and I thought, no, I've got to be an integral part of this. I can't just say this is part of church life like a, a women's meeting or the mm -hmm. creche or the children's work, but actually realizing increasingly the mission of the church is the mission of God. And mm -hmm. um, it is absolutely integral to everything that we do mm -hmm. as a church. So I was blessed to go into a church where they'd been thinking down this line, mm -hmm. where they'd put a missions policy in place, uh, where we developed that mm -hmm. and revised that, where God was continually bringing across our, our paths, mainly folks from within the church. I think you, the case of you and Jan was a, a fairly unique situation mm -hmm. where we were able to take you on board. Mm -hmm. But by and large, we saw our responsibility as a church to raise up other workers from within our number mm -hmm. who are going to go into cross-cultural uh, work. And one of the immense privileges, one of the things that has shaped us more than anything else, yeah. was that they made sure, thanks actually to 
the instigation of some workers who were at the time in Hong Kong, saying the church must also play a leading role pastorally, mm. and mm. said you should be sending someone out mm. every year to one a different set of missionaries. Uh, and I said, yeah, that's a great idea, and you must ask the workers, the missionaries, yeah. uh, who they want that to be. And Kath and I were incredibly blessed that every one of them said, we want the pastor and his wife. So every year we were going out into different uh, situations, whether it was uh, like yourself in somewhere like mm-hmm. Kenya, but also uh, China, Thailand, mm-hmm. Rwanda, you know, mm-hmm. you, you name it. We had wonderful opportunities and we learned so much. Mm-hmm. We realized that mission is about people. It's about mm-hmm. broken people, mm-hmm. uh, working with broken people. And we realized you needed to be able to smell the food. You mm-hmm. needed to be able to hear the background sound. So it wasn't just enough mm-hmm. to look at the the slides that you'd get mm-hmm. yeah, shown yeah, on a, a, yeah. a missionary visit. You had to imbibe it. So that really gave us such a, a passion for mm. mission and wanting to see it advanced and seeing particularly the place that the local church has in that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for you, what, what uh, of the uh, almost reduced minimum qualifications for a good mission strategy? What, what would be, what would you want to see in a, in, in Half a dozen points. When we came to Charlotte Chapel back in 2018, one of the things that I'd been entrusted mm. with as one of the pastors was to work with our missions mm. team. Mm. And we realized it needed some revising, some working mm. through. And so I was able to bring with me mm. um, documents that we'd worked on in Kensington, and, and that particularly someone called John Byrne, who's a, mm. a, a parent of some. AIM workers. He's on our board too. Yes, Absolutely. Yes, John, yes. So uh, he mm-hmm. had done a revision and then we took that work and we did a revision. So this isn't a case that folks, you, you start from scratch. It may be a good idea to start from scratch. I don't know, but don't reinvent the wheel if you mm-hmm. need to. And by the way, folks would like uh, to have a look at a copy of our, our mission policy just get in touch with the AIM office and they can get in touch with me and we'd happily send it. But just to say why we had uh, the policy, let me just give you the five heads. Mm-hmm. Um, it was to encourage clarity of thought and intent right. with regard to its aims and vision for the future. Secondly, to maintain thoughtful, prayerful evaluation mm-hmm. of the progress. So, you know, there was a metric that we mm-hmm. could we mm-hmm. could use. Uh, thirdly, to help those already involved in mission and those considering future involvement to know where they and the church stand. In other words, we've put together a pipeline that if someone says, mm. I, you know, what does this mean? <clears throat> we have a, there's mm. a journey that we will take them on. We will walk uh, with them. Um, and then fourthly, to encourage continuity as membership of the ministry team changes, mm-hmm. because it does. Mm. Uh, and you want as a church to keep going uh, with that single focus. And then fifthly, to prevent inconsistencies in practice. Mm. Um, because I think the danger at times is it can become personality driven. You know, mm. I know my mate Fred mm. thinks he'd like to go and do some gospel work here. Could we give him some money? Mm. And well, bless Fred. And it's great that he wants to do some gospel work. But what you need to make sure is it's not going to be driven by personalities, but it's going to be driven by mm. principle, mm. Uh, that you understand the bigger mm. picture mm. of mission and the way that uh, 
we're not up for lone rangers. We want people mm. to be very involved in their local church, identified by their local church, recognized by their local mm. church, supported by their local church, and then the local church working in close partnership uh, with the mission sending organization, whoever that may be. Just picking up on that, what, what, what do you think close partnership looks like? It can mean different things in different situations. What I mean by that is our focus, we believe our focus should be particularly on UPGs, unreached people groups. We want to see the gospel going out in that way. Mm -hmm. And that happens uh, in a number of ways. So you will have support ministries. So, for example, one of the blessings of being at Charlotte Chapel is we have lots of folks who work with Wycliffe and SIL. Mm. So they're, they're support ministries mm. and we have others who will be helping with schooling mm. and the like mm. and then you will have others who are frontline mm -hmm. mm -hmm. maybe um, they are going to be openly there as evangelists or pastors or whatever or maybe the uh, country is a closed access nation so you wouldn't mm. have that same freedom and they have to be there with some other uh, business doing genuinely doing a another job well uh, and so our responsibilities to each will differ I think mm. according to the individual and I think one of the things we as a church need to do you need to get to know the individual you need to mm. get to know what makes them tick you need to get to know what levels of accountability that mm. are appropriate mm. in that situation, what levels of support they need. Mm. Some workers are very happy to go their own way and we will say, well, the Lord bless you, but we do want to make sure that we have, we walk with you mm. in this. Others will be more timid and they will want us to come more strongly alongside them and walk mm. with them in the journey. So we, we want to be driven by the people in front of us, the people that God's given. We want to seek through prayer. Mm. Lord, what's going to be best here? Mm. And how can the gifts of people in the local church help this particular mm -hmm. person as they go on that journey to serve in a cross-cultural context? Mm. And what are you looking for in a, in a mission agency if you want to send people? Do you usually send people through a mission agency? Yes, we, we, mm. we recommend that. Yeah. I know that other churches will say, well, we can just do it. Yeah, and, and the Lord bless them mm. uh, in that. It's just our own experience, and certainly my uh, experience, is that to be on frontline work is really, really hard. You, spiritual attack is so real and genuine and takes some really mm. terrifying forms. And mm. Mm. Uh, some of the biggest heartbreaks that we have ever had have been mm. because of workers who have... Um, struggled and been broken mm. um, on the field. So, uh, yeah, that's that's been why we would say it's really good to mm. work with a mission organisation in close partnership mm. because there are things we can't do mm. if, if it's in a closed access nation. We need mm. people who have a far wider knowledge than mm. we do mm. uh, to help and support these workers. If an emergency happens, how do we evacuate that person? Mm. Mm. Um, so, you know, certainly an integral part of uh, the policy that we have is that we will work with the individual and mm. say, mm. Mm. Let, let's look at mission organisations that mm. might be suited to what your gifting and calling is. Mm. Mm.
So you would say to somebody who's a church leader who's, who's thinking about um, a mission strategy for a church that um, don't, don't start from scratch, mm. look for, for what's out there, borrow, beg, steal and borrow, whatever you need to do to get, to get yeah. the best ideas. Just almost in closing here, what, what would you say to uh, someone, a church, who are thinking about a mission strategy, there are resources out there, what would you say to them that they should do next? They would like to do something. The resources available. What What's the most important thing for them to do next? I I think it has to be a whole church thing. Mm. So it it needs to come. If we're talking to leaders here, if mm. if it's maybe a leader who's listening to this, mm. that vision needs to be shared with the other leaders, and mm. it needs to be disseminated through the whole church. That passion for the loss. In other words, you're not just doing mission because it's mm. another of those boxes mm. that we mm. tick. You do mission because you've been gripped by the wonder of the gospel and by mm. the lostness of the lost. Mm. And that without someone going and making Jesus known to mm. men and women, they are eternally lost without him. Mm. And so we uh, say you, the whole church mm. must get that. Now that comes in a variety of ways. It, it, it comes through the preaching of the word. Mm. The faithful preaching of the word, that should then be obvious. But I think there are other ways that that can be helped. Um, so, for example, every Sunday uh, when we gather uh, in our Sunday morning services, we will pray for an unreached people group, mm. taken from the, the Joshua uh, list. But we will pray for an unreached people group. We may have no contact with them, but we mm. want before the whole congregation for them mm. to realise that our goal, our sphere of service is mm. not just Edinburgh. Mm. It certainly is that, but it is bigger than that. It mm. is the world. Mm. It's to see men and women uh, come to faith in Christ. So I, I would say leaders should be looking, how do I share this? How do I get that through? Mm -hmm. And I think mission organizations such as yourselves with AIM, there, there can be really good materials that are produced Mm -hmm. that will advance that. I think some of the visuals that are coming out these days can be tremendously effective so that people begin to engage gospel with different people groups and, and, and mm. with their, their, their needs. And I think we have to be aware that the situations often that we reach into bear little relation to the Western world in which we operate. Mm. And we need to encourage our people to... Uh, be aware of that and be aware sometimes the process is going to be very long and, mm. and painful mm. and arduous. It may be a case that they're going to be sowing seeds, but our investment is not in the results that they get, mm. Mm. but our investment is in the people that they are. Amen. Because we believe mm. God uses people. Some he will grant great fruitfulness in the early years of their ministry, Others can labour for years and years in a particular context. And for whatever reasons, there is no evident fruit. But if those are the people that God has had his hand on mm -hmm. and has been confirmed to the church, then you stick by them, you support them, you give them whatever. But knowing that God, in his grace, mercy and wisdom, mm -hmm. uh, will use and will honour his name. Mm -hmm. And his, his word is not going to return to him empty. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, but we... Uh, invest in people. We we walk with people. We pray with people. Mm. So, yeah, work from principles, but also work with 
personalities, work with, mm-hmm. work with mm-hmm. folks who God may be giving to you. And pray that you'd have discernment to know what is wise in, in all these settings. Andy, it's been an absolute joy. Thank you so much. And uh, if you're listening to this and you have any questions, please write to me at director.eu at aimint.org. And uh, if you'd like me to connect you with Andy to get this uh, policy that uh, he and his team have worked on here at Charlotte Chapel, I'd be very glad to do that. So thank you once again, Andy. My joy. God bless you. Thank you.